0: On the far side, got a man open to the end zone.
1: Stills grabs a touchdown. Kenny Stills, what a pair of-
0: yesterday, they man, they're scared. Damn scared. They're scared, and that's not to our advantage. Yep, get a scared man, scared team. Simple job, you're a champions, undisputed champions Alright, yeah,
2: everybody, welcome to the Budberry Bob and Beer Podcast. I'm your host, Kami I'm Robbie, and I'm joined by we got a we got a Big 12 slate going on over here. Uh first we got my homeboy over living in Arizona, but is covering the West Virginia Mountaineers via the uh, Smoking Musket and Andy Facemeyer. Andy, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great.
1: How is, uh, <laughs>
2: how is stuff in Arizona? How are things? Uh,
1: you know, it's nice. It's, uh, you know, we we had a lot of snow this winter because I, you know, live in the part of Arizona where it snows. Um, So we had like 170 inches of snow this winter. Uh, so it's finally starting to get nice, you know. 60s 50s you know
2: tolerable all all the good stuff yeah and we've got jack Shields. jack how are we doing how's everything
3: we're doing good
2: um dog is finally back from the vet he
3: had a bit of an accident yesterday and uh, bled all over the house he ripped off a toenail because he got carried away running around and i had to come home from work and rush him to the vet while my wife was crying and everything like that so that was a lot of fun so anyway we're over that now and uh, just kicking back and, you know, having some beers.
2: We're on, the, we're on the road to recovery, you know. We're on the road to um, recovery, yeah. Um, he's got always. a little bandage
3: on his paw and uh, he's uh, kind of hopping around right now, but tomorrow he gets to take it off and doesn't have to wear a cone or anything, so we Gucci.
2: Hey, hey, no cone is best kind of cone, right? I mean, and, you know, Jack and I are just kind of sitting on some news that will eventually pop up in the next week or so. So we got we got some exciting stuff going on, but... I haven't even introduced our third guest, Philip Slavin from the 1012 Network and like all those podcasts, all the great stuff. Man, how are we doing? How are you doing?
0: The kids are in bed. Uh, the wife is at book club. Uh, I got a podcast guest in, uh, uh, invite at the last minute and thought, what better opportunity to uh, tackle a little Big 12, like uh, a little beer on a Thursday night?
2: Let's do this. All right, y'all. So it is indeed content season, which means everybody is trying to come up with different ways of doing podcasts, invite as many guests on as they can, and just talk about random stats and stuff like that. Instead, I thought it would be a really good idea to have an inward reflection, especially not just on OU football, because I mean... A lot of times our listeners, our fan base, et cetera, all of our fan bases, we have our own lenses we're looking through, typically tinted, you know, uh, whatever color they are, what whatever color they may be. So I think it's interesting to think about, especially getting Andy and getting Philip on the podcast so we can talk about perceptions of Oklahoma, but not from an Oklahoma football fan's perspective, which I think is intriguing, but also thinking about big 12 in general and so what we're gonna do is we're kind of kind of take a deep dive into like what the heck happened with OU what me and what Jack and I are thinking about OU but also what Andy and Philip have to say because I think their insights will provide a lot more like wealth of knowledge to how the rest of the big 12 sees Oklahoma especially after a six and seven season so let's get this kicked off so just in general, Philip, I'm coming straight back to you. OU, with this last season of mine, new coaching staff, of course, things happened overnight with Lincoln Riley and yada yada. We know the story. Don't need to retell it anymore. Um, What is the current perception of OU football outside of Norman, Oklahoma? Like, what is the current perception from your perspective?
0: Okay, so there's my perspective, and I feel like there's like Big 12 fan perspective and – some of the perspective is like, I think a lot of big 12 fans have kind of already moved on. Like in the same way that OU and Texas are ready to go. We're already like, cool. Hey, look, we got four new schools coming in. Let's make friends. Let's be buddies. Uh, West Virginia has adopted Iowa state softball. Iowa state's adopted West. But like, we're all just ready to to worry about this 12 team conference we're going to have. And so I don't think everyone's ready for the conversation. It's going to be Texas is going to win the big 12 conference this year, the big 12 tournament or a championship, or at least should be there. As far as Oklahoma goes, like, I feel like, mm. eh, I know, I know. It, and then this is not a Texas <laughs> is back. We'll see. Uh, I feel like when it comes to Oklahoma, because they went six and seven and because they had the year they had, I just don't feel like anyone's really talking about Oklahoma that much. Like, sure, national media does because they always do. Like, they're going to talk about Oklahoma. That's fine. Sure. They, they, and they, they, of course, you got to move the needle. You got to get the clicks. So, I mean, we're all in the media business. How this works. Um, but I don't like Big Twelve fans have been that interested. As for me, I'm very torn because on the one hand, it's hard to erase the OU from your mind that we have had in this conference since Bob Stoops stepped foot into Norman back in, what, 2000, 1999, if I recall mm-hmm. correctly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it's been a while since we've seen an OU who wasn't just like, successful. And then last year happened, and it was almost like permission to not just assume Oklahoma was going to be Oklahoma. Had to see it actually happen, to believe that it was actually going to happen because it's just one of those states it's like ohio state like you're gonna pick ohio state not have a good year like yeah. are you gonna like go, go ahead and throw your money down the drain the same thing with oklahoma and so i think at this point my view of oklahoma is i don't think big Twelve fans are super focused on oklahoma i almost don't think oklahoma is that super focused on the big 12 not that they don't want to have a successful season this year not that they wouldn't love to win the big 12 title on their way out and throw up the middle finger and be like ha see ya, fellas I don't think they would use the word fellas, um, but I feel like they are so much more focused on building toward the SEC that it's kind of a weird year where OU is definitely not the story in the Big 12. They're a conversation from a national media standpoint, but when you people mm-hmm. talk about the Big 12, OU is just not really part of the narrative and conversation right now.
2: And Andy, where do you, where do you fit with that? I think that there. I think that's, I think there's a lot
1: of truth to that. I think what last season might have done more than anything else was give give us permission to feel like things were going like it's not like having been through conference realignment once before, um in, you know, in, in a place where people were leaving for bigger and better things, you know, where the anchors of the conference were we're leaving for the ACC. How'd that work out for you, Miami? Um, I think it, it, it kind of like, you know, look, we'll be fine. We've got teams that can, can get to, you know, who who are capable of playing with the big boys. I think too, the fact that the, we're, we're headed towards a 12 team playoff means that you feel like if you're the big 12, that if you win the big 12, you're going to be in the, you're going to be in a, in a, 12 team you know or 18 playoff like an expanded playoff whereas you kind of felt like in a 14 playoff you kind of needed to have oklahoma and texas because you needed to have big wins to be able to get there right you know that we already were at a handicap compared to the supposed power of the big 10 and the sec again i have thoughts um but like that you were going to have to overcome that so i think in a way that it's like from my perspective anyway, I think it feels like we're going to be fine and we can move on with our lives. And I think we're all ready His, to to Phil's point. I think everyone's just kind of ready to move on. Um, certainly. I think that like part of that too, is that like, we do not have the roots in this conference that maybe Texas tech has, mm-hmm. or I, even Iowa state, like we're not, established like we don't have an established like rivalry like hatred towards oklahoma or anything um certainly we all dislike texas from a perspective of just like they're kind of you know the team that it's easy to hate um and also we lived in their heads rent free for several seasons um i think we still kind of do because i think horns down lives in their head rent free and i I've talked about how excited I am for them to learn that no one in Birmingham gives a solitary care about what Texas thinks. Um, But I think, yeah, I think that like the perspective of Oklahoma, thinking about Oklahoma, um, you know, I was surprised that you kept waiting for Oklahoma to like turn a corner, like figure it out. Like that's what I kept waiting for last season. And it just never like that never happened. I don't anticipate that being the case again this year. Um, I think there's just, there's too much talent on that roster to not, to be so bad on defense again. Like that was just, that was having watched some bad big 12 defenses over the years um, in the city of Morgantown. <laughs> was, it was kind of scary, but I think, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of wish that we didn't play you guys again, because I would have laughed really hard if Neil Brown ended up with a winning, essentially a winning record versus Oklahoma would have been highly entertaining.
2: Yeah, Neil Brown is interesting, is he? I mean, I, I'm, West Virginia itself is a is interesting to think about like that. Oh, OU could go out with a losing record to Neil Brown. Uh, Yeah, so that's,
1: I think that was my perspective was like, I was just surprised how bad Oklahoma was on defense last year. Um, And I just don't see that happening again. I think, you know, I think, I think that probably TCU is going to take a step back a little bit. I don't, I think they caught lightning in a bottle and I don't, I don't think that's repeatable, Um, but we'll see. So yeah, I think in general, I think Phillip's pretty accurate about, you know, kind of the overall feel of like what that we're all ready to move on and that that's okay. It's like the end stages of a divorce, mm-hmm. you know, it's an amicable kind of
2: thing, I think at this point. And so I- Jack, you know, Philip, yeah, go ahead. Uh,
0: to, to Andy's point about TCU stepping back in Oklahoma, um, I think what people are kind of coming around to this idea of, if the big 12 for the longest time was you just pin, you just put OU and Sharpie as your preseason number one team, they were going to get back there, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone, oh, I just put whoever got there last year is gonna get back there this year, but it never actually happened. Like, whoever you pick preseason number two was not gonna get there, it was gonna be like someone pick four, five, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Big 12 and the conversation we're just having, of course, is that the Big 12 is going to be the most interesting and unpredictable in college football. Um, and I and I do believe most national media use that as a compliment, it should be taken as a compliment by Big 12 fans because. There is not going to be in this new Big 12 a dominant program, a program that just runs the conference. Now, could four teams kind of rise up and become consistent, make more appearances in the championship game than everyone else? Absolutely. But this is going to be a conference of teams that get there on the cycle up. And so is TCU going to take a step back this year? (laughs) Of course they are. Like, you can't not take a step back.
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Will Kansas State take a step back this year? Of course. Absolutely. I I know how much they have coming back. Like, they're top eight offensive linemen. They're starting quarterback. They're going to take a step. just lost too many key pieces. And so what's interesting to me is, like, it feels like there's a pretty solid preseason, number one. We can laugh about this, whatever. I don't care. I think there's legit reasons. Uh, And this is what leads me to the whole OU defense argument is, and I hope we get to talk about this, is, Like, yes, OU, somehow the Big 12 gave both Oakland and Texas the most favorable schedules they possibly could to them. Like, OU's is a little less friendly than Texas's, but Texas leaves the state of of Texas twice, and one of them's to face Alabama. So Mm -hmm. one conference game outside of the state of Texas is to Ames late in the season, which could be tricky, but I don't care. Like, there are a lot of reasons to like Texas making it to Arlington. They probably should for Oklahoma. I mean, it's kind of the same problem. You already have the non conference schedule that's like, all right, enjoy three and oh. Uh, and it's an even easy, easier three and oh than last year. But I'm, I am not uh, like, will OU's defense be better? Yes. I love when people make statements like this. Will be the problem is that you never tell me what the starting point was better than what and better in what amount because. Mm-hmm. Uh, better than the worst you've ever had is still not necessarily good. And where I would love to have the conversation is, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to derail this podcast is, OU last year felt like a Lincoln rally team trying to play like a SEC team. And I look at this roster and I still see a Lincoln Riley roster. Like I know they've had players come and go, it still feels at its heart. Mostly like a Lincoln Riley roster that doesn't, that is not sec ready from a depth perception They're good players. And the starters, please don't take this as like, there's not any good players. I'm sorry. I respond to fans who I know are sitting there going, how dare you say our team's not any good. No, like I understand there is talent on this roster. There's a lot of talent on this roster. Is mm-hmm. there the right talent on this roster? Is there, this roster that can succeed in the big 12 abso-freaking-lutely is there talent on this roster to make you go the this talent is actually ready for what it's supposed to be getting prepared for or not i i'm that's the conversation i really want to have and so like i'm i'm very curious about oklahoma this season are they going to be better abso-freaking-lutely are they going to be jump all the way to 10 wins uh, even with that schedule it's just so hard to know because we don't know which big 12 teams are going to be on the cycle up this year because nobody thought t- Kansas would be as good as they were last year. Right. I was all on Kansas state. Everyone wasn't in Kansas state as like I was. Nobody was high. Well, no, there is some national media folks like Bud Elliott and some of those cover three guys who were high on TC because the talent was there, but none of us thought they would be as good as they were. And so We have no idea which teams are going to be on the cycle up. Oh, by the way, let's throw in four brand new programs. Nobody's used to. We've gotten rid of the round Robin. This year is going to be in the big 12. And I've had this conversation with multiple people. There is nothing in the history of college football, not even the multiple years of turmoil in the big East, like what the big 12 is about to put out in college football this season. Bring it on.
2: So with that said, then Jack, with everything said from Andy and Philip specifically about OU what is your perception of the program with last season in mind going into this season maybe even the future of the SEC and specifically people are already drawing parallels even after one season uh, because Philip put it really well uh, explaining that it looked like Lincoln Riley team trying to play different style of football which in retrospect pretty accurate and so do you think brent is the guy is it or is that even a fair question to ask as well in addition to your perception of the program going into 2022 2023 or 2023 2024 season
3: so philip you nailed it on the head about this being last year you know a roster that looked like a lincoln riley roster trying to play an sec or brent venable style of play it's uh you know, the defensive line is just not where it needs to be from a depth perspective, uh, not where it needs to be from a talent perspective at all. Um, the recruiting and the, inf- you know, the inflection of talent at that position getting much better. I mean, bringing in a you know five star edge rusher in PJ, bringing in a you know high four and Derek LeBlanc. Great start. Uh, 2024 class looks to be trending in the right direction. Kamiar, you would say as well. And then, uh, you know, so everything's trending in the correct direction to be an SEC ready roster, but it's not going to be there this year. And it certainly wasn't last year. Having said that, you know, you were speaking about, you know, how much better can this Oklahoma defense be? I mean, an improvement from last year. I mean, that might not necessarily be saying much considering where they were last year. Having said that, this is a team that lost seven games last year, four of which by a field goal or less uh six of them which were by one possession or five of them which were by one possession the only real blowouts in there were texas and tcu every other game was essentially a coin flip down to the end so even marginable or sorry marginal improvement on defense could potentially swing the pendulum there and create a completely different perception i mean if this team finishes 10 and 2 this year Even if the roster isn't that much of an upgrade from last year, it's going to be a completely different perception of the program moving forward. It's not going to be, they're not going to be the butt of the joke. They're not going to be, you know, not going to be people laughing about them not being, uh, sorry, ready for the SEC or anything like that. But, you know, they are trending in the right direction from a roster standpoint. Wouldn't you agree, Kamiar, as far as uh, the defensive recruiting is concerned?
2: Yeah, as far as, uh, I mean, guys have gotten in the portal and Deshaun Cola, McCull- yeah. but also the recruiting fantastic. as well, yeah.
3: on yeah. Deshaun looked fantastic. Uh, Reggie Pearson looked fantastic in the spring game. I mean, you can't take too much from a spring game. But as far as, you know, physically looking the part, it looked a little bit more like closer to an SEC defense at this point. I mean, those are transfer guys. Those are Band-Aids for right now. But, you know, the high school talent is coming in at a pretty rapid rate as well as far as a five-star and high four guys are concerned so i would say it's trending in the right direction tbd on whether or not it actually materializes but obviously this was going to take some time defensively and uh at least they're showing signs that it's trending in the right direction also
2: what shocked me with all of it was i expected the i mean i think we all expected the defensive growing pains of ou with a brent venables defense with a you transition from Alex Grinch, which is a one read defense, but you at least make that one read going as fast as you damn can to a Brent Venables defense, where it's super multiple. You have the cheetah position, which is like its own position in itself that you have to really explain and understand through the course of a season uh, where there are are, are multiple variations of what they're doing. Um, And it's so like you from something super simple to something super complex, I understood there was going to be growing pains on defense. What concerned me the most when I saw last year was the offense um, and how inconsistent it was. The defense, I expected that inconsistency. The offense, I'm always looking at Dylan Gabriel's footwork and wondering why he's still throwing with so much gap between his legs and why he's always throwing off his back foot. I look at who they have to throw the ball to, uh, especially with the perception going into this year. They lost Marvin Mims. You lose Theo Weese and Trajan Bridges. I mean, pistol whipped a guy a couple years ago, so he's no longer part of the team. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, you know, he did the whole Arkansas thing. So, I mean, like you, then you start to think, well, what about the offense? The offensive line. You know they say they're developing more to what Beatembo did under Stoops, but is that real? It's I have more questions on the offensive side of the ball, realistically, than the defensive side of the ball. I expect them to, of course, get better, improve. But you know, like Philip mentioned earlier, like from what, from what status are you improving from? From you know uh, the statistics. And we're not talking about total defense. We're talking about like the legitimate. Yeah. Oh, what's it called? Something plus. SP plus, right? Numbers. Um, and so we're looking at like advanced statistics that actually mattered and snaps and the amount of possessions and not actual total yardage because that's not a great way to gauge a defense. And OU still finished relatively decent in like, like what, the 60s? And defense was I was surprised about and even higher in offense. They were just untimely turnovers and a lot of other things. But I still have a lot of questions on offense. But as kind of Philip mentioned we mentioned the schedules. Oh, you got, like, the – a very, very, very good schedule, probably the easiest schedule in the Big 12, I would say, uh, by a decent margin. I mean, ex- with the exception of, I mean, like, yeah, you end your season on a Friday night, which is the weirdest situation whatsoever. Uh, you avoid Kansas State. You avoid Baylor. Um, Yeah, you go to Provo. It makes sense. You go to Cincy. That, that makes sense. You know, all the other stuff. But, uh, you know, pretty much everything else, like they keep you out of the state of Florida. UCF's going to Norman. They keep you out of the state of Texas with the exception of the Red River Rivalry. Uh, So I thought it was pretty interesting. And so thinking about this, and um, Jack, I'm going to come straight back to you. What are we thinking of the Big 12 landscape this year, specifically as far as contenders, maybe dark horses to win the conference? Because Phil pointed out the amount of parity in Big 12 which is a good thing. I love the competitiveness. It's a good idea. I mean, it's going to be a good brand to watch, quite frankly. Uh, and so, like, what are the contenders? What are the dark horses? What are the I don't knows? Or just maybe bottom of the barrels? Because as last season showed us, there weren't that many bottom of the barrel teams, just teams that happened to be unlucky, not winning six to seven games.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of what Philip was talking about earlier, about, you know, the preseason projections for teams that weren't Oklahoma in the past, the projection for who was going to be second or who was going to challenge Oklahoma, it was rarely on the nose, at least from the media voting standpoint is concerned. Um, you know, TCU last year, of course, he was talking about, you know, they were, you know, predicted to, you know, finish around the middle of the pack in the Big 12, end up, you know, finishing with an undefeated regular season, end up going to the college football playoff, going to the championship game. Um as far as who it could be this year, I mean, on paper it's Texas right now, and that's you know perfectly fine. Obviously, they're going to have to prove that they can actually do that. It's been many years since they've actually put their money where their mouth was. Um, this year, on paper, it should be there. I mean, if in fact if they don't do that this year, that's going to be bad news for Sarkeesian because there's no excuse to not win it this year. I would say. Um, as far as other contenders. You can never really count out Kansas State, of course, with Chris Kleiman, even when they lose some pieces. Um, They usually find a way to put it together. Um, TCU, even with the losses that they have, they still have Chandler Morris at quarterback, who is a proven playmaker at quarterback. Some guy who can, you know, you've seen that he can put up some numbers. Um, Other than that, I mean, who – would really stand out this year. I mean, Texas tech could be pretty good. Baylor could be pretty good with Dave Aranda. I mean, you can never count out Dave Aranda either. Um, Oklahoma on paper, they should probably be number two, but you know, because of last year, they're going to be picked to finish probably, probably second or third, I would guess in the preseason projections. Um, I, as far as the newcomers are concerned, can we get a very good read on how they're going to compete right off the bat in the big 12? I mean, BYU on paper, shouldn't necessarily be that great, but you can never count out BYU either because, I mean, they're coming out with, you know, 24-year-old dudes with a yeah. mortgage and a home, you know what I mean? It's like grown-ass men with jobs. I mean, it's a, it's a different uh, type of athlete that you're going up against with BYU, so you can never count them out necessarily. Cincinnati, you know, they've got the coaching change, of course. Uh, Luke Fickle is gone. Um, UCF, they should be okay, but I
2: they're I mean, a confident bunch.
3: I mean, is uh John Rice Plumley gonna be the guy who <laughs> brings them to the promised land? I'm thinking no. Um, Houston, not sure. You can never really tell with Dana. I mean, I'm just uh it's kind of an odd situation there. They were kind of a disaster last year, so it's it's really tough to put a pin on, you know, who it could be this year. I mean I would say honestly, I, I really like what I've seen from Texas Tech. They're a much more complete program than you've seen in the past. If you're looking at a dark horse, I think Texas Tech would be a fairly decent pick there this year.
2: Philip, what about you? What do you think about the whole? One more shakeout thing of I the would like to
3: add before you go, Philip. Sure, sure. Oklahoma State had a very rough off season, which, if we're looking at historical trends, there would mean that Oklahoma State is going to finish ten and two this season. So sure. that's how it typically goes with Mike right. Gundy and low expectations. So. We'll see
0: how that goes as well. Or my, if you look at the last two seasons and you look at the start of the trend for Gary Patterson, just go look at Wikipedia. Um. Okay, as far as contenders go, yeah, Texas. Here, the national narrative is already building that it is Arlington or bust for Texas this year. And And here's the deal. Here's where we all screwed up as fans for a long time with Texas, they get all these recruits they get all these stars. They, why, why, why do anything? they get all these studs. They got a ton of skill talent. They were getting wide receivers and running backs and corners and quarterbacks, and they couldn't recruit the offensive line and they couldn't recruit the defensive line. And I mean, Tom Herman couldn't part of my language. Shit. Like Tom Herman should not have a head coaching job. Putting him in charge of kids is a disservice to their football careers. End of story. Texas has built an SEC caliber offensive and defensive line. Texas will have the best offense 12 this year. Kansas State will have the second best, in large part because they return their top eight offensive linemen from last year. Texas should have the best defensive line in the Big 12 this year. They are going to win on the lines. It all comes down to whether or not Quinn Ewers can be the. Even anything close to the ordained football god of quarterbacks that he has been prognosticated to be by so many people. But they have no excuse. Like, they have an actual wide receiving core now. They'll be fine at running back. The defense has gotten better. And think about it this way. They were a game away from the Big 12 title game last year. Kansas State had to win the Sunflower Showdown to even get there because they lost to Texas. That's how close Texas actually was. A Darlington or bus for Texas. Whether they want that narrative or not, that's going to be the narrative. So put Texas at number one. They're going to be preseason number one. Number two, it's, it is not a good idea to pick a team that did it last year to get back there. It's just not. OU is the only one who did it with every year with consistency. Since the Big 12 title game came back, we have had a first-time participant every year. It was TCU then it was Texas, and then it was Baylor, and it was Iowa State, and then it was, what was it, Baylor State, and then I'm missing a year in there, I think. And then it was TCU and Kansas State, right? So we've had a first-timer. Every year, somebody has gotten there for the first time since it came back. I would love for that trend to continue. I don't think it does. I just don't think it does because you're right on the dark horse. It's it's Texas Tech, but I don't feel nearly as confident Texas Tech as a dark horse this year, as I did Kansas State as a dark horse last year. And it's this conversation we need to keep having, and it's about the lines. I don't trust Texas Tech's offensive line. And I and the tech, the defensive line's getting there better. But man, like two years ago, I rant and raved about how good Texas Tech's linebacker is gonna be. You could notice how good they were because their defensive line was so terrible that the linebackers are having to do two position worth mm-hmm. groups worth of job. Like it's just I don't think they have the foundation built there yet. And I will pick Texas tech to make the big 12 title game. The first year they keep a quarterback healthy for a full season. Cause they ain't done it in a while. That is the duck dark horse choice. It's the fun one because we're all excited and we love what we saw last year. And it's just going to keep going. Year three is the year for me for Texas tech of now. Let's see if they really can do something. Like, this is should be another building year for them.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to well.
0: Yeah, but he, he is. He is. And can he keep all of his leaders uh, his there for a while longer? Yep. I don't like picking a team that got there again. But I, I think I'm, I'm going to have to put Kansas State at preseason number two, and here's why. They lost some of their most important players on offense and defense. They've hoped that they'd develop some guys behind them and bring in some transfers to fill those gaps. Who does that sound like? Baylor the year before,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? And I've listened to a couple podcasts and I heard something that may was that stuck out to me and they have basically said that when it comes to transfers, 50% success rate is a very successful transfer class. Think about that for a second. If half of your class is impact players, you've had a very good transfer class. So if you've got a bunch of transfers, <sighs> Oklahoma State, um, and half of them hit, half of them hit, you're having a good transfer class. For Kansas State to bring back eight starters on offense, including Will Howard, all five offensive linemen, plus three others who played a bunch, on defense to bring back seven starters on defense. Have, frankly, the second best offensive line in the Big 12. I'm, I'm very torn between what Kansas State lost makes it hard for me to want to pick them to get there, but what they bring back foundationally gives them the best chance. I think to potentially to be the easiest pick doesn't mean they're going to do it, but it's the easiest pick to get back to the big 12 championship game from there. um, I don't buy Houston in year one at all. I don't buy uh Cincinnati in year one at all. UCF mm-hmm. should be fine. I think all three of those teams are going to struggle at the back half of the season. Cause they're not going to have a tough that all the rest of the comp teams in the conference do BYU should be fine. I think they're the best suited to come in in year one and be okay because Hey, Who's the only team coming in of the four who's used to playing six power five teams on their schedule on a regular basis. It's BYU right. with a bunch of grown ass men. Um, at like 12. It's so hard to figure out who's on, who's on the uptick. I don't know. Like if you told me Dave Veranda went, Seven and five again. I'd be like, okay. If you told me he went eleven and one and got back to the title game, I'd say okay, because that's kind of how I feel about Dave Veranda, because that's basically what we've gotten from him so far. Outside of that, like Kansas, keep keep getting better. Kansas, just keep going. I'm not buying OSU. TCU is gonna have to take a step back. Like you're just you're just gonna. It's I, I understand the talent they have there, but like you're gonna take a step back from last year. I mean, w- funniest thing in the world would be if West Virginia got to the Big 12 title game because West Virginia fans, Andy, I could see Andy, and I said this because Ryan Nani came on the show and I was like, "Who? What would be the funniest thing? So the funniest thing would be West Virginia got there because West Virginia fans would be so pissed off because they'd have to sign Neil Brown to another extension, <laughs> which is my favorite offseason joke. Like, name who the hell knows who the other team on the on the rise is? So at this point, it's Texas one. Kansas state is the easiest number two do i think they'll get there i have no idea
2: so andy speak on behalf about west virginia making the big 12 title game and or (laughs) and or the possibility that in the exit year oklahoma and texas play for a big 12 title and how what the rest of the big 12 would think about
0: that <sighs> nightmare scenario it's an, it's a, an yeah I,
1: I, i'll just jump to the the in the end question there texas and oklahoma being in arlington being the title game is a nightmare for the conference for a billion reasons and i'm, I'm just going to say that this, 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 i want, this, want to remind the conference to that you assholes made them add houston you made them add Houston. Do not let them get into the title game. I don't care what you have to do. Um but I don't think it's going to happen for a couple reasons. So I think I think the problem with Texas is is systemic. They should they have had the talent to be in the Big 12 title game virtually every season. And I will actually I actually want to just say I think they had they've had some pretty good offensive lines. They just had coaches who didn't know how to use them. The last coach they had who knew how to use a big hog molly offensive line was Charlie Strong. Like, he had a great offensive line. They were just awful for other reasons. Like, there is some there is some curse upon that program that I don't know how to quite figure out how to say. There's, like, there is a vi- there's a vibe problem at that program that, like, they have too much... They they have Kamar kind of will appreciate this. They they have the Chelsea problem. They have the Chelsea problem. They have so much money and they have so mm-hmm. many people with their hands on the rudder that they don't know what to do with it. It's not like Alabama where Nick Saban has a death grip on the running the program. Like there's just something about Texas. So Texas certainly has the talent to be in the Big Twelve title game. They probably have the talent. To be in a, a, a in the national title game, like they have tons of talent. You just look at that roster. Um, I don't know if they will get there. I think they've got to overcome that. I'm not sold on Sarkeesian as a play caller um, or as a game manager. I think there were multiple times last season where he lost them games that they should have won. Um, that they're that that like so. There's I've got a lot of questions about Texas. So I think Oklahoma and Texas is a nightmare. I don't think it's going to happen. I think there's a chance Oklahoma gets there. I can certainly see that. I think they've got, the, they've got the roster to do it. Have they overcame some of their issues? I think, you know, I think that's a big question. I think Kansas State's always going to be there because Kansas State understands something about their program. And this is something we've talked about over at, at Smoking Musket about our identity and that WVU lacks anything remotely close to an identity. Kansas State has an identity. And that identity is that they are going to be the biggest pain in the rear end to play. They make you not want to play them. They play really physical football. They know what they want to do. They play a style of offense that suits them, not necessarily having the most talent. And so they maximize who they are, and they maximize their roster really, really well. And they have Immaculate vibes. Um, you know, they picked, they hi they went out and hired a guy who knew how they knew how to win. Um, and so, I think Kansas State's a, a really good pick to be there. Um, I'm not sold on Texas Tech. I think this year is really. Ve- I think there's going to be a lot of. Uh, I think this football season is going to be some. I think it was was Philip maybe mentioned or, or Jack um, since the old days of the Big East when it was like you had a whole bunch of six and you had a six and five UConn team winning the conference title. Thank you. West, thank you. Um, the ghost of Bill Stewart for that particular six and five season. Um, but uh, I think that there's a lot of, I, I, I don't think that that whoever will pick as whoever the media picks as one and two will finish one and two. Um, I think there's a lot of variability. I, I will say, I don't think any of the newcomers, I, I agree with that. I think, um, I think Cincinnati is going to have a rough season. I think they're going to. I'm. I'm not sold on anything about that program post Luke Fickle. Um, I'm just not, and so I think that's going to be really difficult on them. I think. Um, you know, I think you look at uh, UCF. I think I like Gus and the Gus Bus, and and they're chaotic. I don't think that they're got the depth to make it work. I think they'll surprise some people. They'll be, you know, I'm we're WVU super excited to have UCF in the conference. We've been wanting a Florida recruitment opportunity for a long time um, and has hurt us to not be down in the, the, in Florida um, as often. So I think that's great for the conference long-term. I just don't think they have the depth Um, Houston, you know, I just, I, I love, I love Dana, but it's not it. It's not it. And it's certainly not this year. Um, and, and BYU, I think BYU will be six and five, you know, six and six, seven and five. I think that they'll be tough to, they're a tough out. I just don't think they have the talent to win the conference. So it could be really interesting. I'm really curious to see what happens to Iowa State. I, I think of all of the teams that I'm actually most curious to see if last year represented a, a, a turn towards a reversion of form to like what Iowa State used to be? Like, has that magic sort of wore off? You know, I'm, I'm, and did, and is it a case of a coach who should have got out while the getting was good? Like, should he have cashed himself out um, when he had an opportunity, when his stock was really high? I think Iowa State's the one that I'm really interested to see what they look like next year. Um, and Oklahoma State, I am, I think that program smacks of, late stage Frank Beamer Virginia Tech. That that smacks of us getting Gundy cheering a 0-0 game at the end of regulation. Um like that's what they're at. And us, I think, you know, I think there's a good you know, I I would love to be wrong. I would I would deeply wish to be wrong about what I think next season holds for West Virginia fans. But when you And it might be different if we weren't playing 10 Power 10 teams, 10, you know, P5 teams. We open at frickin' Penn State. (laughs) Do you know what that Penn State (laughs) team is going to do to us? They are going to just murder us. And it's going to be one of these awful games where we, like, the first half, we keep it close. It's going to be like... 10 to three and then the second half they're gonna run for 500 yards and 40 points. Uh, uh, you know so I think and what's great is you know who might get to have the firing game Dana Dana might give the one who puts the nail in the coffin, which will just be great because um, that's the best like after the Houston game is actually like would be the best time to fire Neil, if you're gonna fire in midseason. And at that point, you know, like we've got... So we open with Penn State, at Penn State. We have uh, a... We play Duquesne at home. And then we play Pitt at home. You need to win... You need to exit that phase, two and one, to have any hope of getting to a bowl game, which I think is the absolute bare minimum that Neil Brown needs to achieve but right after that you get to play Texas Tech who Neil has never beaten Neil has never beaten Texas Tech has has blown it multiple times then you get TCU and then you get Houston on a Thursday so like there's a very good chance that you're rolling into you know that you play Texas Tech that you in September 1 in 1 and 3 there's no way that that team's going to to win a bowl game or go to a bowl game right there's no way they're going to win enough games down the stretch so yeah I just I would love to be wrong I would deeply like to be wrong about what I think the season holds for West Virginia but I, I don't I don't think I am Neil has had so many chances to prove me wrong and has not <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know so I you know, if, if we can fire him before Oklahoma game that'd be great you know I would love for Neil to go out with a winning, be the one who has the winning record against Oklahoma or a not losing record versus Oklahoma. That would be quite entertaining.
2: Um, but, West Virginia, man, West, West Virginia and OU, they've got a weird relationship. I mean, they they come into the Big 12 and they've never really had a They've never really had games where teams have blown each other out. They've usually been, for some reason, really physical games that they, for some reason, the players hate each other without having much prior history. And uh, so that's been that's been enjoyable. Uh, Jack, if OU and Texas end up in Arlington... Uh, we're just going to go together and enjoy and enjoy the fun. Uh, that, just and in, in maybe link up with Gerald uh, and just Probably like just, link up with Gerald. Just yeah, just, just have a good time down there. That would it would be an odd experience for sure. Uh, Philip, you did say if OU and Texas ended up in Arlington, that is a nightmare scenario. I w- I want you to expand more on that,
0: sir. Narratives are everything. <clears throat> like they are. They exist. They exist for a reason. They're fun. And the idea of Texas and Oklahoma reaching Arlington together before they leave like the the it's almost worse than like it would be worse than if o u lost to o s u this year like for o u like like think about that way like think from an o u fan o s u gets to finally beat Oklahoma one last time before mm. the series ends for who knows how long, and gets the and the only thing OU fans say, well, look at the all records, like doesn't matter. We beat you the last time. Last time It's the only time that matters. If OU and Texas both get there in the last year, that's it's not like you can go back and say, well, well, then we we beat you in a non conference five years later. It doesn't matter. We we won your conference on our way out the door. You can't. You can't. There's no comeback there's no game you can play unless somehow it's like OU versus a Big 12 team in a national championship game in a few years and OU loses like but even then like you, there's nothing you can do to come back to that there's nothing historical there's nothing you can do you can't just beat them in a game with a random matchup like if that is what happens it's 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 one thing if like Texas wins it or Oklahoma wins it but they beat a Big 12 team okay it's a one time it's a one game thing but if it's a Texas Oklahoma thing if they're both in there, from a narrative standpoint, that's all. Any Big 12 fan is going to have to listen to from OU fans, Texas fans, SEC. Three other conference is going to bring it up whenever they want to stick a knife right into the ribcage of Big 12 fans and twist and turn.
1: Except for the Pac-12.
0: But... <laughs> they ain't... No, but they'll use made... it too. Washington the... State fans are going to be like, yeah, well, OU <laughs> and know, Texas last When they're in it. the Mountain West. <laughs> I just, but... It doesn't matter. Fans gonna be like, Hey, ha ha. So, so I, I...
2: Jack, were you at OU versus Nebraska when they were exiting the conference in the big 12 title game?
3: Yes, I was. That was an eventful evening. Um, my friend was kicked out for having a bag of Franzia in the student section. <laughs> you can actually see um, during one of the field goals. I think you can see him slapping the bag. <laughs> At some point during one of the field goals, um, bravo. That was, and he's, and he got back into Jerry World after that as Look well because go. they forgot to take his ticket
1: away. Look from. at him go! This is
3: back in the olden days when we had paper tickets. See, this and this is, is why West
1: Virginia fit right in with this conference. <laughs> fit right in. You're
3: a good
0: fit. You're good fit. It's, it's Not our it's fault. You don't have a rival, the, by the, the
1: way. West Virginia has been a godsend. You've. Been well, I'm super excited about Cincinnati. That's that's. We could not be more excited about the conference line realignment fell in our favor this time, but
0: no, no I, I keep saying this, no big 12 team benefited more from the and coming than West Virginia getting Cincinnati and UCF in the conference. There is no team in the remaining eight, who benefited more from any of the teams coming in than West Virginia? That's an area for West Virginia. I don't want to hear any of the West Virginia fans about the record. You have a rivalry in Cincinnati; it's a built-in rivalry, yeah. and you get a team in Florida, a state that West Virginia needs to recruit. Yes, you yeah. got to do a better job in Maryland and DC, and yeah, yeah. But like, West Virginia has to recruit in Florida. Yeah. Having a school in Florida isn't going to guarantee that, but at least should help you. And so I, there's it gets no. It gives us an problem. opportunity to be in front of.
1: Yeah, it gives us an opportunity to be for a for the coaches to go down and recruit while they're on the while they're on the trip once every other year, but also just to be in front of those the families and fans and like to for a kid to know that they're going to get a play in front of their family is a huge deal. And we had that with I mean, we had that in the Big East, and that was a that was a big part of why West Virginia became really good in the ninety in the late eighties early nineties and stayed good was because we recruited the, the the floor. We recruited, you know, Florida really heavily Rich Rod. and we were able to bring guys out. Rich Rod, even before that, uh, you know, yeah. under Nealon we were, that pipeline was built under Nealon And so we were recruiting that in the nineties. Like you look at the really good West Virginia players um, on the, the sugar bowl team, the Fiesta bowl team uh, in the nineties and the 19 and the eighties, a lot of those kids were from, from, you know, Florida. So it's, we benefited majorly from this realignment, which is,
0: and this huh. is also Hold on, my last point. I'm sorry. This is also why they haven't announced anything about what the schedule is going to be like with the new 12 team conference. They better establish some damn rivalry games because there need to be able to be some established games where, because West Virginia better be able to play Cincinnati and UCF every year because I think West Virginia fans are going to be pissed off if they don't. And I know, I know Cincinnati, West Virginia will be on there because that is one of been on those caveats, kind of like Iowa State complaining about making sure they play BYU every year for some weird reason. But that's what they want. Don't I? No one knows what the hell Jamie Pollard thinks. Nobody knows. It's Jamie Pollard. You just roll with it.
2: So let's let's talk about this new iteration of the Big Twelve: San's, OU, and Texas, because. Of course, they went a total different direction with the commissioner, and he has ideas, man. Um And uh, certainly, s- are ideas, yeah. Specifically, you know, Mexico, twenty twenty four, football, basketball, some sideline yeah, interviews. I don't know how that's
3: gonna work because.
2: Yeah, what do we think? Yeah, what do we, you go for you, it.
3: You can't send Iowa State down to Mexico because the food is too spicy for their fans. So. <laughs>
2: Yeah. oh man you know, somebody's gonna right hear that yelling. i'm gonna get <laughs> so much uh...
3: i'm i'm gonna right. it. In put a, it on social wrong, in a in a year i'm gonna regret saying this because that is exactly what sec fans are going to say about oklahomans at that point because we're going to be that program in the sec oh. at yep yeah so well we'll see how that shakes out but um yeah it's you know, I feel like he's just kind of trying to, you know, build the hype machine here a little bit. I mean, to quote Big Mouth, "You're thinking about it, we're talking about it." You know, I don't do. I actually think they're going to play games in Mexico. Probably not.
0: No, but will.
3: we're all talking about the Big Twelve and Brett Yormark
1: right now.
0: Which no, is no, no, no. Kind of what the Big I, is. I do think they will. You do? I think do that? think they will. Yes, I, do. I think, think we'll end call? up. I think they will. Absolutely. This isn't talk. Yeah. yeah, and
1: and I think Brett Yormark. I. It, I I really like his, like, for he's been really forward-thinking and not been tied to, like, well, this is how it's always done. I think particularly the work that they're doing around uh, separating the basketball rights from the football rights is really important because I think the Big 12 is one of the very few properties that can probably make a killing on our basketball rights, particularly if they end up adding um you know gonzaga and maybe saint mary's and then two of the east coast catholic schools or if we add the four corners basketball the four corners schools from the pac 12 i think that your mark's really really thinking about i think the mexico game will be hilarious um i want you to just think about like let's have houston play anyone in Texas, in, in mexico and imagine the over under on on whether or not Dana Holgerson makes it to the football stadium,
2: that's <laughs> like, a that's a it's a skullet on fire. This
3: alone is building the intrigue here. Yeah,
2: well, I mean, just
0: and send I think Texas ba- Tech think down there—they think everything is West yeah. Texas already. So you know, yeah, Monterrey
1: versus Houston, and they are Texas Tech already plays games like in. Um, they already play. I what I don't think. I don't think we will have a conference game. I don't think anyone is going to be willing to give up a home conference game, no. but I think the Texas schools will be willing to give up a home away, a home road, a home or a, or a road, a uh, non-con to go play in like Mexico city in the Azteca. I think you will see, uh, I could see that very easily.
0: I'm going to push back. I'm going to push back on that. Um, I think Brett Yormark's view on this, coming from the NBA, and mm-hmm. the NBA is the NBA has a very strong fan base in China, and to everyone going, I've heard the recruiting angle like you're not getting a lot of players out of Mexico. Well, you're not going to like quarter of the NBA is Chinese, that, no, no. so it doesn't matter. It's like, don't want to hear about recruiting. <laughs> so you have a large fan base in China. You have a large fan base for Europe for the NFL in Europe, because you play games there, you have a presence there. Yep. You're talking about a football game, a marquee basketball game, potentially taking baseball and soccer down there is you are looking for new avenues to build your brand. Yep. Your marks. Number one thing. He said it the very first big 12 media days when he was sitting down telling repeating his messaging to everybody is it is about building a and growing a brand for the big 12. And he's going to try a lot of different things. We're not going to like all of them and they're not all going to work. And that's, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. If we start to see a, a sub 500 success rate with some of this stuff, we can have that conversation. But for right now, you're not going to get some, there's, there's giant windfall coming for the big 12 to, to join the big two. There's the big two and everybody else. So right now what you have to do is find incremental ways to grow your brand and increase your revenue. And one of those ways is trying to build a fan base, an audience in the country closest to your hub which is Texas. Yep. So it sounds crazy and it sounds weird. And, and there's going to be some downsides to loyal fans who lose a home game to that. But I don't think you're going to sell a non-conference game down there. I think they will do conference games and I think they will put good conference games down there because you're not going to send the teams that finish 13 team down to a Mexican down to Mexico for a football game and it be successful you're going to find a game that's going to be a marquee and that's what you're going to send out I'll tell you right now send BYU BYU fans go everywhere they go to Vegas send
1: BYU to Mexico versus
0: Mexico somebody who's really some, good I, again like do this it's got a bit of growing pains for everyone but I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're We're talking about like the bass first basketball game being Kansas and Houston, maybe they a conference game, maybe be a little non-conference game. Cause we can talk about the whole non-conference thing that we've heard, which is really kind of cool. They're not, I don't think you're going to see like Texas tech rice. This isn't like shipping Cal and Hawaii, Australia. I think they're going to put a big 12 game of note down in Mexico, because if you want to build a fan base, you don't send the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Hey, it worked in England. Um, well, no, very- that's
0: a good point. No, I,
1: I you know, I kind of forgot, like, BYU, like, I think the problem is is that it has to be one of the schools who can afford to give up a conference home game. And that limits your possibilities of teams that can, like, honestly forego that because a trip to Mexico for most teams is going to be pretty expensive, honestly. Um, yeah. So I think it has to be, like, a BYU who can certainly give up a conference home game because they their money structure works differently than say West you, Virginia. Or you, Iowa pay State or, you pay that team.
0: You're going to make money. You pay that team, but it's still going to.
1: You're still probably not going to give them what they might get out of gate. Um,
0: I mean, you look at some of the events. Kansas State played Stanford in a neutral site game. instead State got paid as opposed to having it at home.
2: Yeah, I also uh, think
0: if, TV if, pays, if you yeah, want to make this,
1: how much will ESPN like the big trick will be? How much the will ESPN thing. give us to go play, uh, to have, um let's say, Texas Tech and Baylor, which would be a big game. ESPN's we have Texas Tech them. and Baylor down in we, Mexico. Can State. you
0: get game day down there? How yep. do you build something big yep. enough and an event yep. big enough and unique enough and schedule in a point yep. where you're not battling some marquee matchup in, say, week four, where you send a Big 12 conference game down there between two good teams and game day goes, oh, hell yeah. We want to, we want, this is a cool thing. We want to be part of
1: Lee Corso. Hey, in Mexico big, yeah. City. He's going to wear a sombrero and it's going to be awful.
2: Yeah. If they go to, if, um, they're, if they're going to South Dakota, they're going to Mexico City.
1: But I, yeah, so no, they would go to Mexico City. Absolutely.
2: This is all about brand building. Like yeah. one of
0: the things that your Mark said he did when he went on his tour of every campus was he talked to the players, like, sat and talked to the players to say, like, what do you guys want? Like, why do you think they're having uh whatever the, the brand was, and I can't remember what it is, that like the Big Twelve championship games that like I don't wear. I doubt Andy, do you do you can you name it? Jack, do you I can't oh, even remember Randy? now. Is
2: it that one with the gorilla? Yeah, it was the, that one. it was yeah, it was like I don't remember the it's name is the, weird. It's like it starts with a B.
0: I'm an yeah. old white father of three girls. Like it's not for me, but that's okay. Like a lot it of this stuff is you. not for been a loyal fan of his school for 40 plus years and buy season tickets. You're still going to be a loyal fan. Like, I don't want to do much stuff to piss you off, but you're still going to be a loyal fan. I got to do things to attract to the next generations. I got to do things that the players and the recruits are saying, Hey, that's neat. So it's like, the NBA it is about himself, building a brand. You know,
1: like the NBA, I think has been super successful about, I mean, they've turned the, they turned like, I think what he, what your Mark is looking at is, is shit like the, the the nba all-star game Mm -hmm. turned into this like five-day media orgy um and you can argue whether that's good for the game or not but i think it's certainly been good for the the pocketbooks of the nba and for for everybody involved they have made a ton of money off of turning the all-star game into like not just a game that no one really cared about. They have turned it into a weekend of of things that no one really cares about, but that are fun. You know, no one no one cares about who wins the All-Star game and no one cares about that sort of thing. But I think to your point, Philip, I think your mark has really thought about that. So yeah, I think the Mexico games will go will go forward. I think they're interesting. I think the the basketball in Monterey is a really interesting one. That's really interesting to me. I think football in Mexico City will be hilarious and awesome. Flip, this.
0: Uh, yeah, basketball in Mexico City. Football oh, basketball
1: Monterey. is in Mexico City. That's even strange. Football would be I, in Monterey. I guess that makes sense. Monterey actually yeah, has. Um, Monterey actually has an American football stadium. Yeah. Um, whereas they would have to play at the Azteca, uh, and that is during uh, that is during soccer season. So that would be a little more challenging. So that makes sense. For some reason, I had it backwards, but that's still that'll still be a lot of fun, I think. Um, and I think your mark is looking at things like that. How can we, you know, how can we we do more interesting things and, and expand the brand? Um, and I think they're thinking about that too with the conferences. Like, how can we be creative about expanding the conference? I think the fact that they've been super proactive about po- poaching the Pac twelve Mm-hmm. is been really good to see. Um I obviously have a vested interest in WBU playing once every so often in the state of Arizona. I have a vested interest in driving 2 hours to Tempe um as opposed to uh flying across the country. Uh the nearest home game the nearest away game to me now will be BYU which is still about a 10 hour drive. Yeah. So I am I'm very in- invested in getting the four corner schools, but I also think for thinking about basketball, having Arizona, having Arizona state, uh, having Utah programs with a lot of history and that would help build that brand. And also thinking about the footprint um, of having Phoenix in your conference, when you're talking about media rights, Phoenix is like the sixth largest Metro in the country now and growing. So adding another huge Metro to the big 12's footprint is pretty
2: intelligent. So, Jack, with all this said so far, as an Oklahoma fan exiting on the way out to the SEC, you got the Big Ten over there as well, adding UCLA-USC randomly. Um, and then you have the Pac-12 over there trying to figure out what the hell they're doing with their TV rights. In the meantime... They're
3: going to be on the Grit channel on the... Uh,
2: so, uh, yeah, what, what do you think, think about the the, the new Big on. 12 and their commissioner? Do you think they're far more set for success in comparison to other leagues like the Pac-12 that might just die out or be separated like what what do you think about the future of the Big 12 as well in comparison well, to maybe I others would just
3: say I, you, you know there's the just more certainty from a media perspective because there is already something set in stone there.
1: Yeah. The
3: Pac-12 the longer this drags out, I mean, the worse it is for perception, the worse yep. it is for their leverage with partners. I mean it that is very alarming. Like I saw oh, Apple
1: TV today I thought.
3: And I don't even think that that's necessarily going to come to fruition. I like, think Apple's Apple does, kind of backed
1: away from it too. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that
3: was my impression as well. So I mean, are they going to play on the CW like competing with the Live Tour on Saturdays? I mean, what <laughs> what's going to what's going to happen there? I mean, I, I the it's, CW app that you have to download to watch That's right. That's Yeah. And it's going to be like on tape delay, like the live tour. So, um, yeah, I, I would obviously say that, yeah, the big 12 is better positioned right now from a, at least a perception standpoint, because, you know, even if the valuation of the new deal with the PAC 12 ends up being decent, it's not going to be as many eyeballs as what the big 12 is looking at there. So it's, uh, You know, I would say that the Big Twelve just in general isn't a healthier spot right now. But it's—I don't think it's particularly close.
2: And I think it'll be like a more fun. I honestly like—you look at the SEC, you look at the Big Ten, you look at the Big Twelve, look at the ACC. um, The Big Twelve probably most likely with the amount of parity, I think, will be probably the most fun league to watch for quite a while, especially with the idea of like parody and your Mac as you guys were mentioning with these new ideas he's coming up with or or not necessarily new ideas but ideas he's cycling into the college football world which could be really fun but they getting, then they again we were talking pre uh, pre-podcast as far as Dave Aranda like live check-in with coach Aranda like what are you gonna get from him absolutely nothing you're gonna get from Miranda, maybe even like the other football coaches are like football guys like like Matt Campbell and stuff like that. I'm really curious about that. But you could get some off the cup comments from, I don't know, Mike Gundy or whoever else is down in the state of Texas. Or because uh, Clyman's not going to say much either because that's just Kleiman. Um, And so, I mean, Phil, what, what do you, what do you think about this status of the Pac-12, the ACC, the Big Twelve? in its future like if it, it seems set up for success definitely in the immediate future in particular that that we've all discussed so far what about down the line is your max still the dude
0: if you want to go into any conversation saying brett your going to be here for the next 20 years like <laughs> cool all right i mean right. that's your choice look the the caveat we have to put with all these things that the Big 12 is pitching, that your mark is pushing, that you have to. Like, this isn't in some vacuum of like, all things are equal and the Big 12 just decided to do a bunch of crazy and wacky ideas just to try. them. like, the Big 12 has to. And the Big 12 is the only conference of the three that have to, who are willing to try things and have a commissioner who is willing to try things in an effort to push themselves ahead to be that number three, because it's not a, it's not a, this is not a race to join the sec in the big 10. It's not going to happen. They have lapped everybody else and they are, the race is over and everyone else is just going to have to run their own race. And so now it's a battle of these conferences for survival because we don't, Well, I would rather there be five power five conferences and this idea of there being two or three or whatever, just kind of sucks. Whether that's inevitable or not, that, that kind of feels like the way things are going. Like that's the way everyone's kind of predicting things are going. But who the heck knows? Because none of us do. And think drastically. Think about where college football was a decade ago compared to now. Um, the Big Twelve is doing what it's doing, and Your Mark's doing what he's doing because you have to. Because you should be trying things. Um, one of the benefits of being one of the most unpredictable and close game and exciting is it's good for college football bettors. There's going to be more eyeballs on these games. Cause you're going to watch to see how that goes. And we can talk about the, you know, the downsides of college athletics and betting Alabama baseball. Um, but you know, it, it, it is what it is. And so you're going to lean into every ad. Again, it's what I keep saying. Uh, the- Mexico, right. Going to play games in Mexico. It, it, it sounds like a big thing. Cause it's crazy. And new. It's a grain of sand. It's a grain of sand idea. Having your own NFL combine in Frisco is a grain of sand. Uh, miking players, which was actually a pitch by Fox and ESPN to Big 12 and athletic directors. It wasn't a Your Mark idea. It was a Fox and ESPN idea is a grain of sand. All these things are grain of sands. They're little incremental things that you're trying to do. And, and in a singular by themselves, they're small and, I mean, frankly, insignificant. But if all these little grains of sand, if, if enough of them start to stick in the pile and the pile builds up, start to rise, then that's the metaphor I want to use for the Big 12. So while the ACC is stuck with no out, nothing they can do because they've got to deal with ESPN through 2036, where the world might not even be here, the Pac-12 overplayed their hand and is now stuck trying to stather, but at least with one foot, or at least a toe, many of them out the door in case things don't go the way they want. And I don't think there's that many with the toe actually out the door. I still think most of them will stay together. And I think all of them will stay together until the next TV rights negotiation they'll probably in about four years. I, you just have to keep yourself at the forefront. And so you've got one conference that's stuck and can't do anything about it. One conference that's just struggling to stay above water. You're the big 12. You are in a position right now of opportunity that you're secure and being secure allows you the opportunity to to take risks and that's what the big 12 is doing like like i said some of these risks aren't going to work they're not going to work out that's okay but if you hit a couple just right it's like going to it's like going to vegas you're just going to put a penny in the slots and a penny in the slots and a penny in the slots you might put five dollars worth of pennies in the slots but if a couple of those pennies actually pan out you came in with five bucks you leave with 12 and that kind of incremental stuff that you're trying to get to for the big 12 it's just a little bit more money here because think about it this way if mexico works well let's say mexico is absolutely successful and you build a legitimate fan base down in mexico because you're doing this now when you're going to renegotiate you're also trying to get an international tv contract to play more big 12 content down In Mexico. Or ESPN is giving you more money because now they want to carry more of your games down in Mexico for those viewers and you get more money from them because of it. The idea of branching off Big 12 basketball and selling it on its own, it's not going to make you a giant windfall, but if it makes you a couple extra million school, then if you'd have bundled it together, you're not going to say no to that. And so all of these things are just things you're trying to do to grow this conference. You got to grow the brand. You got to grow the audience. You got to find different and unique ways to do that because it ain't just going to be well. We'll just let the next freshman class come in and immediately our fan base is bigger than enough. You got to find new stuff. You got to find new ways, and you got to find the casuals who are going to want to pay attention to you whether they came from your school or not. Why do you think OU has some, is is such a big brand? Ain't every fan who's a fan of Oklahoma like people who make fun of bandwagon fans are stupid? It is dumb. I would love bandwagon. Hop on on. Come join the bandwagon. Buy our shit, come to our games, watch us, download every podcast that talks about my team. Come on the bandwagon. You are welcome. You want to hop off when things aren't good? Guess what? That's going to put pressure on the athletic department to do better and invest more. Now they've did it. Now the bandwagon's back on and we're making more money. Bandwagon good thing. Buy my stuff from Walmart. Do it. Please. I am begging you. Buy more shirts from Walmart get on more message boards and cheer for my team, whether you graduated from there and have a degree or not.
2: And that is Phillip's Ted talk, because that is very important Mark to make. You need to cut out a recording
3: of that and send it to every OSU fan friend that I know, including my wife.
0: I'm an OSU fan. Oh, I know.
3: I know. I'm well aware
0: that gives it even more power. Like you bought your fan from, from Walmart is not the insult you think it is. It's kind of a cell phone. It's like yeah, them. Like, I don't care what their IQ or college education or whatever it is. They still pick them.
2: Yeah. So I would be remiss not to invite some of my favorite compadres from other schools and that are fans of other teams without letting you guys leave this podcast with some of your favorite And or least favorite, you can choose, memories that involve the Oklahoma Sooners because it is indeed their last season in the Big 12. And I just want to get your guys' favorite or least favorite memories of the Sooners. So, I mean, Jack, we can talk about West Virginia and OSU from from our perspectives in those games, whether it be basketball, football, softball, etc., um, Andy Philip, I know what you guys m- may be thinking but what do you what Andy I'm gonna come to you first what's yes, your so favorite have, and or least favorite memory it, r- involving Oklahoma
1: I actually have great memories of Oklahoma um, over the years I, you know one is a basketball story and it, it just spoke to the per- to the man um, it was before it was when you all had Buddy Held and and that just amazing basketball team. And you were playing in Morgantown. And I, that was when I was working. Um, I was doing, I was working for ESPN that game. And I was there early. And I sat and talked to Lon Kruger for about 15 minutes about the weather. <laughs> and you would have thought that he had, like, that I was someone that he knew. And it was just a really like that he didn't care about what was going on that he just wanted to like not focus on the game. But it was just it was just a really nice moment and it spoke to Lon. It spoke to what a, a great person Lon Krueger was. That was also it turned out that was also a great basketball game to be at. Um, that was a fun game. Um, I think also the the Fiesta Bowl will always have this weird place in my in my memory um, because my father had passed away uh, just. I, literally you know on january 1st Mm. and that game meant a lot to because my relationship with my father was really we had a a sports father-son kind of relationship uh and bill stewart called me after the game because i knew bill really well and bill called me after the game and said we won that one for sammy uh and so that has always played uh, oklahoma has i've always had that in my mind, but I, we've always had such great games with Oklahoma and, and sports and um, you know, the fans, the Oklahoma fans, both you guys. And then I have some, some real, some other friends, some real life friends that are Oklahoma fans and they're all wonderful people. I'm going to miss the Oklahoma, like playing Oklahoma a lot. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have bad memories of Oklahoma and you know, those games were really tough, but they were a lot of fun. Even the ones where we blew the game, You know, some of the, like, Dana Holgerson shootouts were, you know, fun. Tavon Austin gave me a lot of good The Tavon Austin game. I still wish we had won that one. That game would be so much better if Tavon Austin had won that game. Uh, But, yeah, the the ghost of Tavon Austin also hung over that game for a long time, too. You know, it was like, can they do that again? But, yeah, I just, uh, I will miss Oklahoma fans. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've always had good memories of that and think it's, it's a cool, it's been fun. It's been a fun experience having you all in the conference. I definitely feel differently about Oklahoma than I feel about Texas. So
2: that's fair. And I, I, you know, like, I mean, like Texas sucks. I mean, they're just the worst, but, uh, I, as, as, as far as my opinion goes, I mean, West Virginia, it's always been fun. Tavon Austin, he's fast. Uh, real fast, as fast as Noel Devine. Uh, Geno Smith was pretty good too. As far as OSU, I mean, there there's some there's some tough moments with OSU, but then for the majority of the time, like you you you, I mean, like I I podcast with Philip like what two years ago, and we were talking about the offensive line and began with a big sigh, and you were just like. <sighs> Is OU like rounding into form now? Right, right before they pay, play Bedlam, and I was like, I don't know, I think it's going to be close. And it was like they a three-score game. Like I, I, like I, I, I thought I had OSU in a close game, or I thought it was going to be a close game. But of course, I'll, ha- I'll have all the good memories, but also have memories of Rashawn Woods back to back years in the early two thousands. Uh, you got the Woods brothers, just in general. Uh you always have the, the repunt to uh Tyreek Hill that and I I was there. There was in the student section there, I was just hanging out, and there was one fan in the back, and Mason Rudolph, I think, was a freshman during that year. Mm-hmm. And he kept on saying it's like Mason Rudolph's gonna be the best quarterback in the Big 12. And all of us are like, Shut the hell up. Oh, OU's up two scores with like five minutes left and they're like the game's over go home little brother yada yada the oc kicks a field goal all use up for like you know a touchdown with however many you know less than two minutes it seems like and the next thing you know bob stoops like yeah you have to take the extra five yards they're actually on a false start you know repunt the ball a tiger kill, the most electric football player um in college football at the time Uh, at least the fastest one anyways and uh, so that that'll be a a memory of of misery uh for for a while um so that that'll, that that's all that was that was always special but i mean the other years that were it's stupid close because you couldn't feel the decent defense with baker mayfield or kyler murray quite frankly were also very fun um so i mean that it's a good time to talk about that but what 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 what, what are your memories of uh, favorite least favorite and then we're coming to Jack.
0: And I'm I'll say this. I, I I've seen some OSU fans on Twitter that are we don't need we're not gonna miss Bedlam. We don't need him play OU and I'm just like, yeah, it's like just shut up. Um you're gonna miss Bedlam. Like we just all are. It's gonna it, it's it's not who as much fun as it is to play other teams, like we're going to miss Bedlam. I don't care what the outcome is.
2: Um, Doug Gottlieb told me, Oh, you could F off.
0: Again, a shoe <laughs> fan is, is welcome to their own opinion.
1: We are um, proudly blocked by Doug Gottlieb. I,
0: I have not you had mean, the pleasure of You mean the guy out. who
1: can't put his pants on straight? Yeah. Um,
0: ironically, uh, that 2014 game you mentioned, I was supposed to be at that game. At the time, I was living in Norman at graduation. Uh, I was dating a girl whose uh, father well-to-do donor, good friends with a famous alum, had box seats. And I was supposed to be sitting in box seats watching that game. Alas, we were in the midst of a breakup. And so I I did not get to see that game live. Uh, the only Bedlam game, football, I have ever attended. By the way, if you don't know, I actually graduated from Oklahoma. Um, the only Bedlam, fo- yeah, it's always a fun thing. people we'll find that out. The only Bedlam game I have ever attended live, and I made sure as hell that I went to that one was 21. When we feared it was the last Bedlam game that Oklahoma and Texas go ahead and scoot on up to the SEC a few years early. That is one of my favorite Bedlam moments because of course it was a legitimate win, it was a come from behind win. I'm it was a huge moment. I got my pregnant wife down there on the field with me uh once all the drunk college kids realized that my pregnant wife is down they're trying to get out there was like a parting of drunk students of all like help the pregnant lady and they're like i'm just like following her like she's moses through the the red sea mm-hmm. um of of drunkards like that that game i will never forget that game that game was incredible it was an amazing game it was a stressful game um which was, was sure that it was not gonna go well when uh Oh, this is oh, it was such a good game. Anyways, um, when Caleb Williams like broke off for a giant run with no one in front of him, and I was just waiting for—I was waiting for the inevitable heartbreak. Even on fourth down, every down was just like the most gut-wrenching thing of all time. That game was awesome, incredible. It was great to be at. I mean, it's bedlam. Like bedlam decided the Big Twelve title when there wasn't a title game like seven years in a row. Mm-hmm. Like I will never forget twenty thirteen when the interception should have been caught, but he hit the ground. It was so fricking cold that he couldn't hang on to it. And then OU wins in a game that OSU probably because, but Gundy coached conservative, like he likes to do in Bedlam and Gundy and Bob Stoops came out and unloaded the bag of tricks and beat OSU and Stillwater in a game that OSU was the better team because that was the down turn of, of Bob Stoops. There's a four year run there of 11, 12, 13 and 14, where it was the only time of the Mike Gundy era where OU and OSU were on a pretty equal playing as far as talent goes. Um, and they went two and two in that stretch. And before then, Bob was awesome. And after that, Lincoln Riley was in charge and it was what it was. But like, how can you not want Bedlam? How can you not miss an in-state rivalry? Like if you put a Texas and Texas A&M fan down and actually give make full t- t- truth serum, like they're going to be like, I hate not playing that game. Like they can say whatever they want. I don't give it. They're, they're full of it. If they say that they don't need that game. Yes, they do. They will be the first time that game comes back. They will all be just like shaking with anticipation, like a freaking eight-year-old on Christmas morning frenzy.
1: I will say I I feel like WVU fans are uniquely qualified to comment on this.
0: How do you guys feel when you play Pitt?
1: So I want to I've got I've got to caveat it and say that Neil Brown has sucked all life out of the program and enjoyment to the extent that I have not made my plans to go play, to go see West Virginia play pit on campus for the first time in over a decade, but I'm excited about that game. And I was very excited about like, I've missed that. Um, Not playing our traditional rivals has hurt the program. It has hurt for fans it's not nearly as fun or enjoyable and i think that it is bad for the game for yes. oklahoma and oklahoma state to not play each other yeah. and i hope that in a few years they will see the light that they will not try and texas and texas A&M... Mm-hmm. a and that's a stupid thing by both of those programs to, to pretend that they don't want to play that game um and so i i really hope that we'll see bedlam I hope to see Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in that uh uh in the the SEC non conference rivalry game week, <laughs> which is yeah. like the yeah. towards the end of the season they, they it, always it would be know, awesome. Like the weekend awesome. that kept, the weekend that Clemson plays South Carolina, Florida plays Florida, um, State. Mm-hmm. Florida State, uh you know, just slot Oklahoma Kentucky, slot right in. Yeah, Kentucky Louisville. Although the governors cup, they kinda of move that around, but I think that's a better late season game. Um, for a variety of reasons. So I I hope that that game gets back on the schedule um, I, for everyone's sake, but for the fans' sake. Uh, you know, again, having been there.
0: I, I think you, cooler, heads, cooler heads will prevail eventually. And I also will hate if other events aren't scheduled until cooler heads prevail. Like, you cannot rob college softball world of Bethlehem.
2: Mm. Like,
0: it's one of the best rival in college softball right now. How could you not put that in and I don't care if it's two midway games how could you not play that basketball is like both arenas are full for that both arenas aren't full for us; they're full for bedlam mm. like how would you not play that baseball is incredible like you have you you can't pretend like it doesn't matter and I don't I'm saying this to both sides You cannot sit here and pretend like we don't need that. We're going to go do this. And sure, OU is going to have fans from SEC and it's SEC stuff, and they care about everything It's great, and you're going to have fun games, and it's going to be exciting. Do not lie to yourself, OU or OSU fans, and say, you're not going to miss this because there isn't going to be a game. And I understand OU has Texas, and so they're not in the same spot as OSU is because OU has Texas, and that is the big rivalry. But it's just not – kind of rivalry it's not the same kind of game and you've got to figure it out i don't it is uh, it'll be a few years i think 2030 is the first 2030 and 31 is the first opportunity all you have to do is like move a nebraska game Mm -hmm. like get off a year Like just do it and get a home at home it's just make it happen just do it like just stop stop dancing around it being that way if 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 you tell me Gundy's got to go and we'll put Bedlam on the schedule. Fire that man tomorrow. I don't care. Pay him pay him his money and get him out of here and let's get this thing going. Like I don't I don't want to deal with it. The best thing in the world I have decided is at the end of Bedlam the end of the game they announced We have officially announced the next time that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State are going to meet. Or just do like the end of Marvel movies or James Bond where it says, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will meet again. And it just scrolls up on a black (laughs) screen. And that's all you ever find. And it's like, okay, good. Wahaha. Yeah. Like just don't leave us hanging.
2: Yeah. It's not a bad gig. Jack, carry us out. So, favorite, least favorite memories OSU, Bedlam, and uh, West Virginia. So,
3: I've talked about this a lot on the site and on the podcast, gone over this many times. Um, I grew up in Edmond, which if you're very familiar with the Oklahoma city metropolitan area, it's a very neutral ground for bedlam. I call it about 50, 50 in Edmond historically. And in the nineties, when I was growing up, it might've been 60, 40 in favor of Oklahoma state. So bedlam for me, and you know, growing up then, that was when OU was bad at football and when, you know, Eddie Sutton and basketball had the Cowboys rolling, I mean, it was, you know, it was not an easy time to be an OU fan in Edmund. I will say that. So Bedlam, you know, going back to my childhood, it means a whole lot to me. I have a lot of uh, at stake emotionally in Bedlam. So it remains to be seen whether or not I will be happier with or without it as far as football is concerned. I would think not as happy with it because it's something that just, it it means so much to me every year. I would say, will it be better for my marriage for it to not be around? Probably, but it will get through it. It's fine. Um, I'm trying to think of the best memories there. There are a few, there are some really low points. I mean, I was at the Rashawn Woods game in oh one and Norman, mm. Um I was at the 2014 game in Norman. Not great. Um, As far as the best memories are concerned, honestly, for me, I mean, this this isn't going to be a very common answer, but 99 for me was a big one because like I said, grew up in the 90s. OU was horrible at football. That was the first time really in my memory when OU had a big win over Oklahoma State. And that kind of, Felt like OU was, you know, coming up back at that point. That was Bob Stoops' first year. OU was – that had won their seventh game that year. They were going to a bowl game. Everyone was feeling good. That made childhood Jack really happy. Then uh, I'm trying to think. 03 was a great one after the two consecutive losses. 52-9 to nine in Norman. That was fantastic. I was in Stillwater for Bedlam in 08 and 2010. Um, those were obviously very memorable. Um, instant classics, no matter who you were rooting for, those were just objectively great games. Um, I think my favorite, though, might be 2013. That was when Oklahoma appeared to be kind of on the downswing mm-hmm. in Bob Stoops's tenure at that point. You know, they had lost two games that year, they had. You know they had lost three games the year before in 2012. They had the bad year in 2011. It there just weren't that many great vibes around the Oklahoma football program. Oklahoma State was having a really good year that year in 2013, and it was it it honestly felt like kind of like Philip was saying the talent was the talent discrepancy was not the typical situation there. I mean it, Oklahoma State's talent level at that point was about as good as it's been. Oklahoma's was about, you know, if you're looking at recruiting rankings about as low as it had been in the past, you know, going from 2000 to right now, that might've been the Nadir right there. I mean, it was, um, you know, not great for OU and to pull out that game and just kind of in probable fashion, the way that that all went down, that might have been my favorite going back. So it's, there've been a lot of great ones. There've been some, Great basketball memories with Bedlam. That is what I'm going to miss the most is Bedlam basketball. It's not even close. And that frankly, that's going to be the thing I miss most about the Big 12 is basketball. You know, I miss, you know, I've been to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament so many times. I don't care what's going on with the SEC basketball championship in Nashville or whatever. I know Nashville can be fun. It does not touch Kansas City for that tournament. I'm going to miss that a whole lot. Um, I will say that, you know. Missouri not being in the conference anymore kind of takes a little bit of the juice out of, you know, my nostalgia, as far as that's concerned, because I love to hate Missouri and that's coming back of course. But, um you know, I am absolutely going to miss Kansas city for the basketball. I mean, there, but yeah, as far as Bedlam basketball is concerned, it's, you know, most of my life, it's been pretty neck and neck, you know, it's the nineties, you know, I oh, wish you had Eddie. Oh, you had Kelvin. Then, you know, OU's had some success since, since then, of course, but it's uh, it's always been really contentious. And that has always felt like the most important of all the medlam rivalries was men's basketball. So uh, that's what I'll miss the most, I think.
2: All right. Well, do any of you guys have anything left to say before we close this one out? Oh, silence. They're stunned, huh?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I just think that you know. I hope, I hope you all will will see some sense. I hope that people who have power will see some sense and we'll we'll get we'll get those games together. I don't want, I don't want I don't want for the Oklahoma State and Oklahoma fans to experience what we've experienced, right. where you just don't have those traditional rivalries. It's easier probably for Oklahoma because you're going to get Texas you get to keep Texas, but uh, you know, the sec schedule being what it is, 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 you know, I, yeah. So, but uh, I hope to see that coming, but I will miss Oklahoma. Uh, I think that I'm excited for the future of the big 12. Certainly. Um, I'm excited for uh, the Oklahoma state villain arc uh, in the new big 12. I feel like they have the pieces to be the new villain. Um, As long as Mike Gundy is there, he has, he has strong villain energy um but i am i think it's gonna be fun to see what happens and i wish i wish oklahoma the best in the next in the new conference i i i'm going to enjoy watching texas flounder but yeah i wish you all the best
2: so philip any last comments
0: i'm i'm pretty sure there's a like big 12 fans aren't like super worried about oklahoma Big 12 fans are happy to see Texas leave. Like there is a very distinctly different viewpoint, I think <laughs> in big 12 fandom between Oklahoma and Texas of like,
2: that's good to know
0: of like Oklahoma is going to leave after why i am be like, man, I, you know, the, I'm having some really good games to Oklahoma and Texas. Is like, yeah, I remember when we beat him, Ah, screw Texas. Ha, ha. Yeah. Go play Arkansas who hates you and is going to beat you. And you're going to hate that even more than when Texas tech does. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Be the best, most weirdest, most unusual thing to ever happen in college football. The the 14, one time 14 team Big 12 coinciding with the final year of the four team playoff. Folk, and who the hell knows what else insanity is going to happen this year? Like, Mm -hmm. we forget, look at the rankings. How can it be so weird that everyone always wants to see happen again? No, no, no. Appreciate this season, this college football season. They will never be anything like it ever again, anywhere.
2: Jack, any parting words with this podcast?
3: I will always follow the Big 12. I'll always uh, have an affinity for the Big 12 schools. Um, there will be many, many situations where I will be rooting for Big 12 teams in bowl games against SEC teams. Of be damned. I don't care. If it's Iowa true. State is playing... <laughs> Uh, if Iowa State's playing Auburn or whoever the hell, or Florida in a, the Independence – not Independence Bowl anymore. We're not tied into that anymore. Liberty Bowl. Let's go with Liberty Bowl. You're damn right I'm going to be rooting for Iowa State in that game. I, I grew up rooting for Iowa State in situations like that, you know, against SEC schools, Big Ten schools, all that kind of stuff. I'm still going to have, I guess, kind of a nostalgic tie to Big 12 schools. So, you know, I will miss it to some degree as well for sure.
2: And I think this is a great podcast. I think it was great to get everybody on board. Uh, Thanks, uh, Philip, for coming on. Thank you, Andy, for coming on, especially with like different perspectives, uh, bringing in like what the big 12 is, what it could be in the future perspectives on OU. I think it helps fans get a more in depth view about what others are thinking about Oklahoma and what they're thinking about them now, but into the future as well, but also what the future of the big 12 holds. And like, like Andy said, I think OSU has some serious potential in the Big 12, in the new Big 12, in this new iteration, like it being like a legitimate contender if they wanted to be and then bested in that program, specifically football, not basketball. Basketball, I think they'll be good. Um, and so there's just a lot. Um, I want to thank Philip uh, again from the 1012 Network from coming on. Uh, I want to thank Andy from Smoking Musket again from coming on jack if you guys want to find jack on 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 twitter handle you can find him on j larry shields or at CC Machine at com. guys thank you so much for coming on um we'll talk more through the season because we saw a football season actually go through and so this won't this won't be the last time we podcast together but till next time we'll check you guys later